Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Celebrate the name of Jesus in this place yes, today. Yes, Thank you for the mighty Holy Ghost who's here yes, among us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, Thank you, Lord. for being in this service with us. Yes. Have your way in this place. We render this service unto you. you. Yes. If you have anything to say, say it. If you feel Thank like you, you want to do anything in here, you just do it. Thank yeah. you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have free reign in this place. Glory to God. Thank Father, you, I pray that you give us eyes to see, hearts to believe and receive, ears that can hear, Lord. I pray that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto us a spirit of wisdom yes. and revelation. Yes. Yes. Now, as if you the eyes of understanding yes. yes. that we may know what the Spirit yes. is saying yes. to the church this morning. Thank you for clarity. Thank, Thank you that I preach it with boldness and Thank simplicity you, and accuracy. Thank you, and we'll be sure to give you all the glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you, Judah. Good job this morning. Hallelujah. Children and youth are dismissed to the back. Facebook family, glad to see you here this morning. Welcome. Glad you could join us. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Is it working? Anybody got Facebook on? working real good. All right. I wasn't sure I had to use another phone this morning. Mine was acting up. Praise the Lord. Well, turn with me to the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew, the gospel according to St. Matthew. Last week we looked at the parable of the sower and learned that not all people react to the word of God the same way or the gospel message or the kingdom message the same way. And we learned that Jesus is the one that sowed the seed. He's the sower. And the seed was the word that was sown into the earth. And it fell on different grounds. And it was because of different grounds, of the different conditions of men's hearts, because that's what the ground represented was the hearts of men. It produced differently in each one of them. The seed that fell by the wayside were people who had hard hearts and dull ears and uh, Satan came immediately, the word says, and stole the word that was sown in their hearts. And so then we see the rocky soil were people who received the word with joy, and they believed for a little while, but not having any root in themselves. In other words, they were shallow. They fell away during times of temptation and difficulty. And then there was some seed that fell on the thorny soil, and uh, these are people that would receive the word, but they allowed the cares and the riches and the stresses and the worries of this world, of the times that they're living in, to choke the word out, and it became unfruitful. 
And then finally, some seed fell on some good ground. Hallelujah. People that had good hearts, that were hungry for the word, that received the word gladly, and they received it with patience. They not only received the word, but they began to obey and do what the word told them to do. And as a result, they all produced fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So thank God they produced fruit, but it took a good heart. The word had to find a good heart in order to get implanted. And, uh, you know, James says, receive with meekness the implanted or the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. So the word has to be received in a humble heart. That's part of the good soil. But the bottom line is this. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven will only be received by a small portion of people. According to that parable, 75% of the people that heard the word rejected it. And we'll see this truth in the very next parable that we're going to study this morning that Jesus taught, and it's called the parable of the wheat and the tares. T-A-R-E-S, tares. And this is the one we're going to look at this morning. But unlike the parable of the sower uh, that was recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which is known as the similar Gospels or the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew is the only one that recorded the parable of the wheat and the tares. And uh, actually there's eight parables in this 13th chapter of Matthew. And hopefully we'll get to look at them all here in the near future. But they were all designed to represent and show us what the kingdom of heaven is like in the earth. And uh, the, this is the method that he used to not only plant the gospel, but to spread the gospel and to cause it to grow and succeed in the earth. And so these are the things that we'll learn through these parables. And uh, in the parable of the sower, Jesus sowed the word into people and had varying levels of success, some 30, some 60, some 100. And in the parable of the wheat and the tares, Jesus took those people that received the word and planted them into the world. And so the parables in Matthew 13 tells us how the kingdom of heaven is not only established in the earth, but how it grows, how it spreads. And in the 13th chapter, uh, we had the parable of the sowers, the parable of the wheat and tares, and then there's uh, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven, the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl, the parable of the net, and the parable of the scribe. And all these parables show us something about the kingdom of heaven because they, they start out with, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. Or this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, and then Jesus tells the parable. So today we're going to read the parable of the wheat and tares. Uh, we'll find that in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, this not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, 
lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And so Jesus' purpose here is clearly to teach the principles that are related to the kingdom of heaven. And like I said, he began these parables by saying the kingdom of heaven is likened to. And so the word kingdom actually means the king's domain. That's what kingdom means, king's domain or the king's dominion. What is the king in charge of? What is his domain? That's what the kingdom means. In other words, it's the geographical area of his rule, and that includes everything within that area is under his jurisdiction, under his rule. And in this case, the king of the domain is God himself. He's the king of this domain. And so Jesus intends to reveal the principles to us that relate to the rule or the dominion of God in the earth, as it would soon be manifested in the person of Jesus Christ himself. That's for a later date. But like the parable of the sower, this parable of the wheat and the tares is one of the few that Jesus actually took the time out to interpret for us or to explain to us. And it's because very early on in the parables, he wanted to make sure that we understood what the parables meant. But then after that, he wanted us to do our own digging. He wanted us to learn what the parable meant by praying and by reading the word and by seeking his face. And uh, he was laying the groundwork for these other parables. Uh, in Mark 4.13, it said, If you don't understand this parable, how then will you understand all the parables that are yet to come? And so he wanted to make sure that we understood what a parable was, how it worked. And so he gave us the interpretation of it. He gave us the exact meaning of everything that was in the parable so that we don't have to guess. And I know a lot of times people say, well, this is what the parable means. No, it means what Jesus said it meant. Amen. It's not open for your interpretation. It's not open for us to uh, seek another meaning of it. It's what Jesus said it was. And then when we get into the other parables, we'll learn that we have to get those uh, on our own. We have to interpret them on our own. Uh, of course, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we've got the Word of God, the Spirit of God. We've got prayer. So they can be interpreted, and they can be interpreted accurately. Uh, but the parable of the sower and the parable of the wheat and tares, they're kingdom parables because they tell us something about the kingdom, how it's established, how it's planted, how it spreads, how it grows, how it operates. And so we're living in the kingdom of heaven. So we need to know how it operates. We're under the king's domain. We need to know what the king wants of us and what the king wants us to do. We need to know the laws of the kingdom so we don't disobey them. Amen? Amen. And be good and law-abiding citizens of the kingdom. So in Luke 8.10, Jesus said unto you, it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. So... In other words, not everyone is going to receive the word of the kingdom. We've seen that in the parable of the sower. As a matter of fact, the parable of the sower said, if I preach to ten people, only three of them are going to receive the word. And there's a reason for that. He wants us to be prepared for that. He don't want us to get 
discouraged. But these people that didn't understand the word is not because they didn't want to understand the word, not because it wasn't available for them to understand. It was just that they didn't care. Amen. Can you believe there's people out there that don't care what, what God has to say or what the Word of God says? They didn't want to understand. They, you know, they can't see, hear, or perceive with their hearts according to Jesus because it's hidden from them. That's why it was spoken in parables. But the problem is they chose to close their eyes, their ears, and their hearts to the Word. They didn't want it. They didn't want anything to do with the kingdom message. And, and I can show you in the Gospels where people followed Jesus for selfish reasons. They followed him for the loaves and the fishes. They followed him for the miracles. They followed him for the healings and the signs and the wonders. But they really didn't want any of the kingdom responsibilities. And they really didn't want to have a relationship with him. They just wanted to see what they could get. Hard to believe there's people like that in the world. Amen? But for that reason, Jesus doesn't give us the meanings or the interpretation of the other parables. He wants us to search for the meaning ourselves. He wants us to show some interest in the things of God and show some esteem for the things of God and the Word of God. He wants us to esteem the Word highly. He wants us to esteem uh, Jesus highly. He doesn't want it to be a superficial relationship. And by us digging in the Word and praying and seeking God's face and looking for guidance from the Holy Spirit, it will automatically increase our relationship with the Lord. Because if you sincerely get into the Word and prayer, you will learn things about God and Jesus that you never knew before. And, and you'll learn His characters, His characteristics. You'll learn His attributes. You'll learn how much He loves you, how much He cares for you, how much He wants to provide for you. You'll learn all these things that will cause you to fall in love with him and a deeper relationship. So there's a good reason he wants you to dig for some things. Amen. And, and uh, you know, valuable things usually ain't laying on the surface. Amen. That's right. You want gold, you got to dig for it. Right. Uh, you want diamonds and precious jewels, you got to dig deep for them. You want pearls, you got to dive deep. Uh, all these things are not laying on the surface for you to pick up. Now the parable of the sower and the parable of the wheat and tares, he brought it to the surface for us. He made it easy for us. But these other ones, you're going to have to do some digging for yourself, some deep diving for yourself. But the answers are there. It's just going to take a little work. But here he gives us the interpretation in Matthew 13, 36. He said, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Now, it doesn't say anything about any of the other multitude that was there coming into the house with the disciples and asking for the meaning to the parable. None of them did. Just the, just the 12 disciples. And so Jesus answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. In other words, it's Him. The field is the world. So, you know, it's not hard for us to interpret this. I wonder what the field means. It means the world. That's what Jesus said it meant. Right. I wonder who the sower was. It was Jesus. He said it was. Right. So He made it easy for us. And He said, uh, But the tares are the children of the wicked one. 
Anybody have any questions of who the terrorists are? They're the children of the wicked one. Do you know who the wicked one is? The devil. He said in verse 39, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. He makes it clear and plain for us. The harvest is the end of the world. It's actually the end of the age. That word, that word world was translated other places as age. In other words, the world is never going to end. But the age that we're living in will end. The church age will end. And so he says, so shall it be. Oh, he said then, uh, and the reapers are the angels. So now we even know who's going to reap this harvest. Who's going to separate the tares from the wheat? As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this age. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, all things that offend, and them which do iniquity or lawlessness. So if you're into offense and you're into iniquity, you better straighten up because you're headed for a fall. Right. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Yes. In other words, open your ears to this. Because yes. I'm not going to force feed you. It's going to come in because you want it to come in. You're going to understand this parable because you want to understand it. And there are people that even with the explanation of a parable, they still don't understand it. And it's because their hearts are closed, their eyes are closed, and their ears are closed. Again, in the parable of the sower, Jesus sowed the word into people, got them born again. But in the parable of the wheat and the tares, he sowed those born again people into the world. And he's shown us, this is how the kingdom of God operates. Yes. This is how it starts. It started with the seed. Yes, sir. That was only received by 25% of the people that it was sold to. And then, those 25%, I sold them into the world so that they could sow seed. But in the world, you're going to have tares. You're going to have false Christians. You're going to have fake Christians in the world. And they're going to grow right along with you. And you're not going to be able to tell the tares from the wheat. Yes. Until the end of the age. And I will send the angels to reap and separate the tares from the wheat. God will. It's not our job to identify them and pull them out. Get them out of here. They don't pray like we do. They miss church too much. They ain't filled with the Holy Ghost. We, we, we don't, they're terrorists. We need to get them out of here. No, it's not your job. Coexist with them. Jesus said, let them grow with you. I'll take care of them when the time comes at the harvest. And, you know, there's a lot of natural things in here. Of course, that's how we learn spiritual things as well. Like a terror, for example, is actually a poisonous plant. But it looks almost identical to wheat. Especially in the early stages. You can't tell them apart. And a lot of people think that, well, if you pull up a tear, you might pull the roots of a weed out with it. But that's not how it works. What he's saying is you might actually pull a weed out because you can't tell the difference between that and the tear. At least in the early stages. But in the end, when the harvest comes, you'll be able to tell better. But it's still not your job. It's the angel's job. They'll take care of it. Amen? Amen. But these tares are like drugs. 
And in a large enough dose, they can actually kill a person. They, they're poisonous. And, and uh, farmers would have to take care as they separated in the harvest. They would have to take care separating the tares from the wheat because if enough of the tares got mixed in with the wheat and it was ground into flour and they baked the loaf of bread, it could be poisonous bread. But after a while, the farmers caught on. And they realized that in smaller doses, this stuff ain't bad, you know, it didn't need a buzz. So in smaller doses, they would allow some of the tares to be intermingled with the wheat at harvest time uh, so they could have bread and beer because they made uh, beer from the grain as well. And that would give them a good buzz when they ate it or when they drank it. So it's just like uh, today we have uh, marijuana and brownie. So that's kind of how the loaf of bread was today. So they learned how to use it. And it made that tear a popular weed because, and it was actually a weed, uh, because of the qualities it had to make you feel high. And uh, when they ate the seeds, they would, in small amounts, they'd get dizzy, off balance, and nauseous. And its official scientific name came from a Latin word, uh, lolium timulentum. It really don't make any difference. But it came from a Latin word that actually means drunk. So they knew what it was and the capabilities of it. So tares also show, show up quite often in, in the uh, literary writings as a symbol of sub subversion. In other words, we live in a subversive society where people are constantly undermining authorities. Is that the day we're living in now? So that's a sub subversive uh, society uh, where there are tears, you will always find a toxic uh, and uh, a treacherous atmosphere. You'd be living in toxicity and treacherousness if you're, if you're living around tears. And that's what we're seeing in the land in a physical sense today. And the Jewish farmers who were experts in their fields, they knew what they were doing. They had a hard time telling the difference between the wheat and the tares, at least until the harvest when the fruit would appear on the wheat. The tares fruit was just a little bit different, but still very similar to the wheat. But they would find a lot of the tares fruit was hollow. It just had the hull. It just had the shell. Yes, yes. But the fruit of the wheat was full and heavy. And I can't prove this by the word. I read it with a commentary. Uh, one of the philosophers or commentary, Bible scholars, said that the way they would tell the difference at the harvest was the wheat, the fruit of the wheat would be heavy and it would cause the wheat to bow down. And the yes. tares stood proud. Yes. And so the, the farmer knew which one was the tear and which yes. one was the, yes. the wheat. Now, I'd like to believe that's true. Yes. It sounds really cool, don't it? I just can't find it in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, I'm happy with it, so leave me alone. <laughs> but according to the Lord, he said we must coexist until the end of the age. In other words, we can't tell the tares from the wheat. Uh, in other words, the tares will be coexisting among us whether we like it or not. And, uh, but there's upside to this because like in the agricultural community, a plant is a plant is a plant. It don't change. If it's a spinach plant today, it will be a spinach plant tomorrow. 
if it's green beans today, it'll be green beans tomorrow. Barley today, barley tomorrow. They don't change. But in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, the tares have a chance to change. Because with God, what? All things are possible. And so let them grow. Coexist with them. Who knows? Maybe the wheat will rub off on the tear, and the tear will become a wheat, and it won't get harvested and taken out and burned in the hand. So Jesus said, don't pull them up. Let them coexist with you. We might get one or two who say, amen? Amen. So uh, these tares are throughout the kingdom, though, and we see this intermingling throughout the scriptures. You know, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, right? Right. So even amongst the kingdom, there are some tares. Uh, and, you know, in Job 1.6, it said there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and who was with them? Satan was with them. So we're going to have tares in the church. We're going to have tares in the world. Uh, they're intermingled into the kingdom. And, and, and like I said, that means they're in church as well. They're in the pulpits. Amen. Amen. Terror pastors. Pastor tares. They're teaching Sunday school classes. They're on the praise and worship teams. They're in the ushers group. They're in the pews. Not in this church. <laughs> Now, Jesus said they're hard to tell apart, but he didn't say they're impossible. Amen? Amen. So, you know, and plus we can inspect the fruits. That's what the farmer does at the end. He looks at the fruit to yes. determine who's a, who's a tear and who's a wheat. Can I just go on and say this, Pastor? No. This is one little thing. It ain't no. too bad. No. I can't help myself. I can't help myself. Yes, you can. If you're a pro-choice pastor, you might be a tear. If you preach in accommodation instead of accountability, you might be a tear. There's one more thing. Yes. If you're preaching acceptance when you should be preaching repentance and holiness, Hallelujah. you might be a tear. Now, I don't know for sure, but based on the fruit, there ain't a whole lot of bending there. That's right. That's right. You might be a tear. That's all, Pastor. That's all. <laughs> They're even in the pews. Amen. They've infiltrated the entire church and they're planted in the same field as the wheat and they're growing side by side with us. And don't be looking around because, like I said, you can't tell a tear from the wheat, not at this stage of the game. But as we get closer to the end and the fruit starts appearing, you'll be able to tell the tears from the wheat just like the farmers can. But still, you're not supposed to pull them up. God's got that covered. Amen? Amen. Say that with me. God's got that covered. God's got that covered. All right. I just want to make sure you got that understood. Uh, as Jesus is teaching these parables, I did have a little bit more. All right. Come on, Pastor. As Jesus was teaching these parables, I promised I would behave. I only got 10, 10 people following me on Facebook. 
I'm only reaching 10 people on Facebook right now because of things I said in the past, so yes. I, don't, I don't want to cut that down to five. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but anyway, at the time that Jesus was teaching these parables, he was going through a great uh, deal of rejection himself. He was rejected by the Jewish people, he was rejected by the religious leaders, and he was rejected even by his own family. And so he's preaching... Uh, coming out of this great rejection and being in it, as a matter of fact, he starts preaching these parables and one of the first parables he teaches us is that we are going to face rejection. He says, you're going to share the word with a hundred people and only, 70, and only 25 of them are going to heed to the word. He says, 75% of who you sow the word to is going to reject it. He says, get used to that. It's okay. If you preach to 10 people, 8 people, 7 people, and 2 or 3 of them receive the word, praise the Lord. Move on. Don't get depressed. Don't get rejected. He says, because they not only rejected the word I preached, they rejected me. So why would you be surprised if they reject you? I, you know, I, they used to bother me at a time, but I'm past that now. I'm past uh, feeling intimidated because people reject me or reject the things I say. I'm just going to say it, and then I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And they can do what they want with it. It's not my job to grow the seed. It's my job to sow it. Right. Yes. Yeah. And maybe water it once in a while. But he comes to Matthew, the 13th chapter, in this, the midst of this rejection. And, and that's what he preaches in these parables of how it's going to be rejected by most of the people that he preaches to. He already knows that. And, and he was being very plain that if you choose to enter the kingdom of God, get used to rejection. And he's telling us that if you share the gospel of the kingdom, with 10 people, expect 7 of them to reject it. But don't get discouraged. Keep preaching. And, and uh, so, you know, if you only reach 2 or 3, praise the Lord for it. Keep on preaching. Keep on praying. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where in earth as it is in heaven. That's our job is to get the kingdom of heaven throughout the earth. And as you read these, these parables in Matthew, you'll notice that they always spoke of the kingdom of heaven. They started out like that. The kingdom of heaven is like unto. Where the other gospel writers spoke of the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. I've always thought they were synonymous terms. I always thought that it was just the writer's preference. I even looked it up in the commentaries about Matthew and one of the commentators said that Matthew uh, wouldn't use the word of God because the Jews were very respectful of the word of God. And Matthew's gospel was to the Jews, so he was out of respect, replacing the word of God with the word of heaven. I don't know if that's true or not, but I did notice a distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And uh, I noticed that God never included the unsaved in the kingdom of God. Whenever the kingdom of God was mentioned, it never mentioned anything about unsaved people being in it. Right. Where the kingdom of heaven does have unsaved people in it. Matter of fact, it has devils in it. But the kingdom of God is pure. Right. The kingdom of God doesn't have any devils in it. It doesn't have any unsaved people in it. 
And, and uh, you know, he told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he will in no wise see what? The kingdom of God, not the kingdom of heaven. I mean, you just have to be born into the world and you're in the kingdom of heaven. This is the king's domain. Don't mean you're saved, though. Uh, the kingdom is all around us and we're living in it. But the kingdom of God is what? Within us. And it's living in us. And so there is a distinction. There is a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And when Jesus was born into the world, he brought the kingdom of heaven to the earth. And that's how he's showing us in the, in the parables here, the sower, the wheat, the tares, and the, and the other six parables in Matthew 13. He's showing us how that operates in the earth, how it started, how it's sown, how it grows, and, and how it operates. But when you're truly born again, you're the real deal. You're born again. You love God. You seek after Him. You follow Him because you love Him, not because of the loaves and the fishes. Then the kingdom of God has entered you. Amen? Amen. And, and we read it in Matthew 13, 41 through 43. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, all things that offend, and then which do iniquity. So we know that there's offenses and iniquity in the kingdom of heaven. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So these terrors that have been coexisting with us and pretending to be Christians, uh, and been doing things behind everybody's back, and we can't tell who they are. They were singing in the choir, and singing in the praise and worship team. They were raising their hands and praise, praising God right alongside of you. They're teaching the Sunday schools and everything, but now they're weeping and wailing. Why? Because they were taken out. And there's coming a day where they'll be removed. Don't worry about them. Don't sweat it. God's got that covered. And then it says, then shall the righteous shine forth. Who's the righteous? The ones that were left after the unrighteous were pulled out. The terrors are pulled out. All that's left now is the righteous. And they shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, God. They were in the kingdom of heaven, but they're in the kingdom of God. That's why they were left behind when the others were removed. They had the kingdom living in them. You don't know who that is. God does. And then he says, who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. In other words, I ain't giving you this one. You're going to have to strain to get this understanding. So the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are intermingled right now as wheats and tares. But at the end of the age, at harvest time, the tares, the ones that offend and do iniquity, the fake Christians, they're going to be taken out and burned, but the wheat will remain and shine forth as the sun. In whose kingdom? The kingdom of their father, God. The kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you want to be in the kingdom of God? Yes. Amen. Those that offended and did iniquity are the ones that never allowed the kingdom of God into them. It was available. It's always available. You can, any time that you want, let the kingdom of God enter into you. You sat right alongside kingdom of God people, and you refused to allow it to enter into you. Your heart was closed, your eyes was closed, and your ears were closed. So there's going to be weeping and wailing at the end, but the, the weeping and wailing is not going to include, I didn't know, I didn't know. They're going to know. 
Those that offended and did iniquity are taken out. That's how it works. God always separates the bad comes out, not the good. Just like with the rapture, people think the rapture is going to be some kind of escape theology. Praise the Lord, we're going to escape this place. We're going to be taken out of here. That's not the reason you're being taken out and the wicked is left. It's not an escape theology. There's a reason for it. Because as long as the church is in the earth, God can't accomplish what he wants to because he that uh, restraineth, as long as the restrainer remains in the earth, then the, the wicked one can't even be revealed. Wickedness is tied. The hands of wickedness is tied to a certain extent. Right. And he can't bring the Antichrist out until he gets the church out of here. We're not escaping. It's part of the prophecy. It's part of the plan. We're not supposed to be here because we would hinder evil. The only thing that's hindering evil in the earth today is not the police. They prove that. It's not the military. It's the church. The praying church yes. and the church in the world in the kingdom of heaven, infiltrated in the kingdom of heaven, is what's keeping uh, evil at bay. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of evil yes. in the world. But you ain't going to know what evil is until the church is taken out of here. Amen. Then it's going to be all darkness, right. all evil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, those by the wayside and those on the rocky ground and those amongst the thorns, they were allowed into the kingdom of heaven, but they ain't going into the kingdom of God until they get right. And so the kingdom of heaven is in the earth. It's all around us. It's the king's domain. And, and I mean, the Bible tells in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, or the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it belongs to God. That's his domain. It belongs to him. But the kingdom of God is within you. Yes. And that's the difference. Yes, amen. The kingdom of heaven is intermingled with the good and the bad. And, and then he shows us that in the next couple of parables with the net and the mustard seed. We can see the separation of the good from the bad. But they both have good and bad intermingled with them. The kingdom of God has only the true born again believers. Right. And Jesus taught us in the parables... Uh, of the sower, for example, that there would be diverse responses to the kingdom message. We've seen that with the different soils. Uh, but he taught us in the parable of the wheat and tares to show us that we must understand that in the kingdom of heaven, we will face a constant and consistent enemy. Yes. He's in there with us. Yes. And uh, we'll face the reality of good and bad people all the time. You might even call it a, a dual reality. Uh, because the bad are going to be hard to tell the difference between the bad and the good at times. And, and we have to understand that good and evil will coexist until the end of this age. Right. And then the evil is going to be removed. Amen. I'm getting ready to close here. Don't get too nervous. Jesus had 12 disciples in his group, and one of them was the devil. So if we got 24 in this church, then two of them... If we got 36 and 3, we got 48 then. The more you have, the more evil is going to be involved. And that's just a given. If Jesus had 1 out of 12, I, you know, we're guaranteed at least 1 out of 12. But it's probably more than that. Amen. Amen. But again, it's not our job to worry about the tares. It's not our job to weed them out. You don't know who they are anyway. 
be looking up and down the road. I wonder if he can tell. <laughs> <laughs> But afterwards, at the harvest, the angels will separate and burn the, the tares, and the true sons of God and daughters of God will be delivered in the kingdom of God. And, and you know, we all have work to do in the kingdom. Everyone has a job to do in the kingdom. And if you think coming to church once a week and spending a couple hours here is kingdom work, it's not. Kingdom work begins when you leave here. This is a watering hole. This is a well. You come in here for a refreshing drink. You come in here for a fill-up so that you can go back out there. Right. Amen. Amen. I mean, uh, it's like filling up your car. Would you fill up your car and stick in the garage and never go anywhere with it? No. Right. That's what you're doing when you come here once a week for a couple hours, and then you go out there and you forget about God and the kingdom and everything else right. till the following week. Your work is out there in the kingdom. Amen. 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 And we're not doing kingdom work in here. We're getting fed in here. We're getting watered in here. We're getting filled up in here so we can go out there and Amen. do the kingdom work. Amen. The parables of Matthew 13, they begin to just illustrate the spiritual nature of the kingdom of heaven. And they teach us, among other things, that the master is always the Lord. The seed is always the word of God. Good plants are the sons of God. Bad plants or tares are the sons of the devil. And the sons of God will shine forth like the sun. The sons of the devil will be in outer darkness. That's how it works, good or bad, coexisting together. We know that the enemy is the devil. Jesus told us that. The end of the age will be when judgment comes in the harvest. And once a man understands with his ears that here, he will give all that he has for the kingdom of heaven. See, until, see, there was a time, I was, I was in religion for years. I was a good Catholic. Uh, we went to church every Sunday, brought our kids to church, got them uh, confirmed and baptized. And, uh, you know, we said our prayers. Uh, we gave, uh, well, back then I didn't even call it a tithe, but we gave finances to the church. We were good Catholics. We were good Christians. But until I, well, Pastor Ed was saved, and then I don't remember exactly how it went, but I got saved and I'm fired for God. And, and long story short, that's how we wound up here. Amen? We got the kingdom of God inside of us. Yes. We didn't just live in it anymore. We had it living in us. Yes. Right. And that made all the difference in the world. We couldn't get enough of God. We were hungry for God. Yes. We were always seeking after God. We went, we, uh, I did a career at UPS and uh, we went to uh, Bible college. I mean, we just upgraded and went to Bible college, you know. That don't happen when you're just living in the kingdom of heaven. That happens when the kingdom of God gets inside of you. Yes. Right, yes. And then you want to do something yes, for the kingdom. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so that was the day that we had ears that finally heard. We've been hearing for years but never heard. We've been listening for years but never heard. And then all of a sudden we heard something. Yes. And it changed our lives forever. Yes. So, you know, you could be hearing all the time. And, and like Pastor S said, you know, you hear the word, but you don't do the word. And, you know, you get a little pain and you fall away or you get whatever. And, and it's easy to get knocked from pillar to post, slapped around by the devil. 
You, the kingdom of, of God isn't in you yet. That's right. You're just in the kingdom of heaven. That's right. And, and you're not overcoming the things that you would overcome when the kingdom of God enters you. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. So, I mean, how many out there are going to hear, and, and even at times when they hear, they don't understand because they didn't really hear. So the parable of the sower, the parable of the wheat and tares, it gives us insight as to how the kingdom of God starts, how it spreads, how it grows. And we need to understand the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and, and the distinction between the two. And that's why we continue to teach these parables. Or I'm going to continue to teach the parables. Uh, Jesus taught them. He thought they were kind of important. So I'm going to teach them too because I think they're kind of important. And, you know, all the other parables in chapter 13, they start out, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. It's like a treasure. It's like a merchant. It's like a fisherman. It's like the owner of a house. It's like a scribe. He, he's got a different par eight different parables to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like. But if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, you have to go to the book of Acts and see it in action. You have to go to the other gospel writers, the synoptic gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, to see what the kingdom of God is. Because that, he, they talk about it. Yes. And like I said, in all of them that talked about it, including Jesus, they never once mentioned anybody unsaved in the kingdom of God. Right. So there is a difference. <coughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Thank you for the word thank to come forth this morning. Hallelujah. I, I sowed it like good seed. It is good seed. It's yes. incorruptible yes. seed. Yes. I know you. it's capable of producing. I know it's energized. It's alive. It's active. It's full of power. I just pray that it hits some good soil this morning. I pray that it's taking root even as I'm speaking. And it's not going to be uprooted and pulled out between this door and the car door. But it's going to get into the car today. It's going to go home. It's going to go out into the kingdom of heaven. And it's going to begin to spread. And it's going to be some kingdom work and some kingdom fruit as a result of it. So we thank you and praise you for each one that heard today. And we thank you and praise you for each one that's going to do something with what they heard today. And not just hear with their physical ears, but I pray they heard with their spiritual Thank ears. I pray that they heard, that they heard, that they heard. Yes. We thank you and praise you for it. God, will lift up everyone that's suffering from any kind of stinking disease, because I know it's not your will. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. There's no stinking disease in heaven. And we declare that there's no stinking disease in or among your people in Jesus' name. Everyone that's been stricken with COVID, we break that spell right now in the name of Jesus. We pray that they would get the revelation that Jesus bore that sin on the cross. He bore COVID-19 on the cross and COVID-20 and COVID-21 and all the COVIDs coming down the road. He bore them all on that cross. And we're not walking towards a victory. We're walking from that victory. And we thank you, Lord, that they'll get a revelation of that. They'll hear for the first time. They'll truly hear with their spiritual ears, with their heart. And they'll receive a seed of healing. And they will rise up above it. And they will be healed. I declare every lung that can't take a full breath, you can breathe today. I declare that everyone that's got a fever is broke in Jesus' name. Everyone that has any symptom whatsoever of 
uh, COVID-19 or any other that disease is broken in the name of Jesus. They can rise up and be healed in Jesus' name this morning. I thank you and praise you for it. Give you glory and honor for each and every one that will be touched by that prayer this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. We love you. Appreciate you. We will see you next Wednesday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.